Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Everyday Black History. I uh, hope you all are having a good weekend out there. We're coming at you today on a Sunday. Usually uh, I drop on Mondays, but I figure, uh, you know, it's Sunday. It was a good weekend. So I'll come today on a Sunday. But hopefully you all had a good weekend. Hopefully you had fun or you rest, uh, got some rest and was able to relax. But I hope that you had a good weekend and ready for another week, a week of work, vacation, whatever it is you got planned. I hope it's a good week ahead of you. Uh, forgive my <laughs> the, um, my congestion because uh, the allergies are starting to go crazy out here in New York. Uh, allergy season, you know, and and uh, it's hitting me hard this year. So if I sound a little congested, uh, forgive me. It's just allergies. But today on Everyday Black History, we're just going to come and as we're uh, finishing out the month of uh, March, which is Women's History Month, we want to continue to give a shout out to black women out there and uh, all the things that black women have been accomplishing throughout history, you know, and so um, also, uh, uh, you know, to uh, the uh, nominee, uh, Katanji, uh, I hope I'm saying her name right, um, who is uh, being confirmed for the uh, Supreme Court Justice job. I know uh, there's been a lot of memes online about her reactions to the stupid questions that she's been uh, getting asked, these ridiculous questions. But, uh, you know, shout out to her for being, you know, um, for, for potentially being the uh, first uh, black woman to be nominated to the Supreme Court. So if that goes through, that'd be a That'd be a big thing. And there's people out there who can look at her and say, you know, uh, look at some of her past judgments and find fault with her. But, you know, no one's perfect. And it is a big deal for her to make that, you know, get that seat on the Supreme Court justice. So, you know, just wanted to give her a shout out for that. But today on Everyday Black History, we're going to be highlighting um, a woman, a woman, excuse me, by the name of uh, Stephanie St. Clair. Now, Stephanie St. Clair, um, she was a businesswoman, she was a uh, racketeer, actually, and, you know, she was known as a, a, a Madame St. Clair or Queenie to people who knew her well, uh, people who knew her affectionately called her Queenie, but uh, she was a woman who uh, came from um, a background, you know, uh, actually she started off in a criminal background, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, when you think about most of the richest men throughout history, uh, most of the richest men throughout history, even today, they got their their fortunes through illegal means, through lying, through cheating, um, and they're considered great men. You know, uh, you know, uh, Madame St. Clair wasn't a perfect person by any means, and none of us are, but, you know, she managed to become successful in a man's world both legally and illegally. You know, she wasn't, none of, all of her businesses weren't illegal. She didn't stay in a, an illegal lifestyle for her whole life. That's what got her started, but she continued to uh, be a successful businesswoman later on in her life. And, you know, um, you know, we all have our character flaws and we're not going to focus on that. We're just going to focus on the fact that she was able to do it being a black woman in a man's world and be able to stand up there with the big boy successfully. You know, but she was um, she ran numerous enterprises in Harlem um, in the early 20th century, 
And um, she even was able to stand tall and resist the, the mafia um, for several years after Prohibition ended. Um, and she became a legend in the community. You know, she stood up against uh, police corruption um, and, you know, many other things that affected her people. She ran numbers games in, in, in Harlem that were very popular. Um, you know, people used to say, you know, if you depending on how old you are, you may or may not have heard older black people say, yeah, I'm going to go play my numbers. You know, back in the days, it wasn't lot lottery that they were playing. It was the uh, policy banking that um, was very popular in black communities all over the country. But we'll get into that a little bit more. We're just going to go into um, a little bit of background information on her. She was born. Uh, she was born December 24th in 1897. Um, she was uh, born in the West Indies to a single mom who worked hard to, to uh, you know, take care of her daughter and send her to school. Um, and she w- was uh, born in the uh, French West Indies, um, which is now known as uh, Guadalupe, West Indies. Um, although some um, places state that her birth was in Martinique. But uh, she was from the West Indies, the French West Indies, um, and when she turned 15, because her mom got ill, she had to leave school to help take care of her mom. She managed to save up some money, and after her mom died, she left Guadalupe for Montreal, and um, you know she was brought into Quebec as a domestic worker with many other domestic workers of that time. After that, she uh, immigrated to the U.S. from Montreal, but she arrived in New York in uh, 1912. And uh, during that voyage to New York and during those early years, she learned uh, English. And it was where she ended up in in Harlem, uptown. Uh, Now, a lot of the information as far as her early life was uh, taken from a biography that was written about her. So um, that's where, you know, some of these early details of her life uh, are coming from uh, a lot of her obviously the, the later details are well known because you know people knew who knew her so it was other people who were telling um, uh, stories of her life but these early details are known from a biographer of her so I uh, just you know wanted to give that disclaimer there but um, when she first arrived into New York based off of uh, the biographer she fell in love with a man by the name of Duke who uh, you know, soon uh, tried to pimp her out, you know, uh, taking advantage of, you know, a, a person who wasn't from here, you know, foreign woman who wasn't from here, taking advantage of her, he tried to uh, pimp her out. And, um, you know, she, he ended up getting killed by some street gangs. As you know, street gangs are very popular during this time. You're talking about the early 1900s, pre-prohibition, so there were a lot of street gangs and there were a lot of uh, craziness happening in New York City. And so this man, Duke, supposedly was killed um, in, a, in a, being shot in a fight between street gangs. So she um, got involved with another man by the name of Ed. And um, they started working together, started their own business selling controlled drugs. Now, I'm guessing at this time, probably marijuana. Um, um you know, they, they, there is nothing said about what kind of drugs that they sold, but it was just controlled drugs that they were selling. And um, uh, her and Ed, you know, came to uh, disagreements, and apparently Ed tried to 
kill uh, Stephanie and she defended herself and um, in the end Ed was the one who ended up dead but uh, through their enterprise together she managed to make $30,000 she saved up $30,000 and it was at that point that she told Ed that she wanted to start, you know, be on her own and that was the cause of the disagreement between the two of them and which caused him to try and her- bring harm to her by strangling her and she defended herself and as I mentioned before he was the one who ended up dead and so after that happened she began to build up her network she employed her own men she bribed cops and she invested some of the money that she made with Ed into a clandestine lottery game in Harlem that we know as running numbers or policy banking I mean she led one of the leading numbers games in the city and as I mentioned before, she became affectionately known as Queenie or uh, Madame St. Clair. Now, she was, you know, um, now policy banking, as we talked about, was a mixture of investing, gambling and playing the lottery. It was a system that was built, you know, uh, that was created by, you know, um, I mean, honestly, I don't know where the origins of it came from, but I just know it was very popular in black communities, especially since many banks at this time would not accept black customers. So, you know, if you had some money and she wanted to invest, she weren't able to invest it legally because you couldn't get a lot of black banks to take your money and invest it for you. And there weren't as many, there weren't that many black banks at this time um, that was created by black people for black people. So uh, policy banking, you know, who wasn't, wasn't legal, wasn't technically legal, you know, but it was one of the few options that were offered to black residents in, in this particular um, instance in Harlem where uh, Madame St. Clair was um, if you wanted to invest your money you had to get into policy banking for the most part um, for, for, for an example of it is if you've ever seen the, the movie Malcolm X uh, West Indian Archie the character that Delroy Lindo played you know, and, and, and Malcolm X before he became a Muslim he used to be involved in policy banking or running numbers or if you've ever seen the movie Hoodlum with uh, Larry Fishburne and Cicely Tyson played uh, Madame Sinclair, just for some uh, film examples of of her and and um, policy banking as far as the visual is concerned. Uh, but anyway, um, as far as policy banking, it was the only way that a lot of black people could invest their money, especially in, in, in Harlem in this example. So it was also a predominantly black industry which allowed many bankers to have a sense of urgency that would not be possible in white-dominated fields. So in this way, uh, Madame St. Clair, she used the underground economy in in Harlem to address these issues. And, you know, at the time, the numbers game was very male-dominated. She was the only, uh, one of the only women involved in policy banking, and she helped the black community by providing uh, many with jobs, um, such as numbers runners and other positions that help black people during this time to get money. And you got to remember, this was also um, uh, pre-prohibition, during prohibition, as well as after prohibition. So, you know, people were able to make money to feed their families. They were able to invest their money. They were able to um, have access to uh, finance that weren't that wasn't previously available to them um, because of you know, policy making. And uh, because of her success in the numbers game, you know, she lived very lavishly and she made a lot of money annually during the 1920s um, in, in 
running in the num- running numbers, you know, running her own policy game in Harlem. It was said that she was making um, um, over twenty thousand a year in the nineteen twenties um, just from policy banking. Not to mention other uh, enterprises that she had going on. Um, now she was known to put out ads in the local papers that educated the Harlem community about their legal rights. Um, she advocated for voting rights. She called out police brutality against the black community. And she even complained to local authorities about harassment by the police. Um, and when they didn't pay any heed, then she ran advertisements in newspapers and accused the senior police officers of corruption. She you know, took, it on, uh, took on police brutality uh, head on. Um, they responded by arresting her on trumped up charges. And she even... Uh, spent some time in 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 a workhouse for for that, but uh, in response to that, she testified about kickbacks that police officers were being paid, and uh, even those who had participated in illegal uh, numbers games throughout the city. And it was a, quite a few police officers that were fired due to her actions um, for testifying against them. Now you can call, you can say what you want, but she did what she had to do to uh, get these dirty cops off the street who were harassing her and her people as well as taking kickbacks that was supposed to prevent that. Now, at the end of Prohibition, um, a lot of the Jewish and the Italian-American crime families that saw a decrease in profits because now, you know, they made millions a year selling liquor. They started to see a decrease in profits so they decided to move in on the Harlem gambling scene which she controlled. One of which was one of which was a mobster by the name of Dutch Schultz. Um, he was one of the first to move in, um, beating and even killing numbers operators who would not pay him protection. So uh, she and uh, Madame Saint Clair and her chief enforcer, who was Bumpy Johnson, they refused to pay him protection. And um, you know, despite any violence or intimidation that they faced, they actually you know stood up to him and to other. Uh, um, other Italian uh, crime families who tried to come after their operation. They attacked storefronts of the businesses that they own, betting operations. They even tipped off police about them as a way to uh, get them off their backs. Um, uh, um, police raided, raided homes, raided businesses. Storefronts were burned down. Um, as far as the as far as Dutch Schultz's men, storefronts were burned down. And even um, some of the some of his men was arrested and property was seized. Um, she never um, she never submitted to him, um, unlike many others in Harlem during that time. And because she stood up to men like him and the Italian mob, she gained the respect of everybody in the neighborhood. You know, she after her struggles with him, she um, after after her struggles with him with the Italian mob. She started to, you know, look for other legitimate ways to make money just to stay out of the um, the police eye, stay away from the police. So she passed her criminal business on to Bumpy Johnson and let him run the numbers and run the streets. And she decided to go legit. Um, and, uh, you know, she was able to uh, start legit businesses that Bumpy Johnson was able to negotiate with the Italians and... Um, uh, so any Italians that had that wanted to do business in Harlem, they had to give a percentage to Bumpy Johnson and to his organization. And um, if they had any problems in Harlem, they 
but going above the um, Johnson to uh, settle any disputes that they had. So, you know, while she was going legit, she didn't have to worry about, <laughs> you know, anybody coming after her or any police coming after her because as she started to, you know, get a little older, she didn't want to have the stress of that in her life. But she retired from the numbers game. She became an, a- an advocate for political reform. Um, she uh, started businesses in, in in Harlem, in her home, a variety of businesses, um, different things. Um, she actually met a man, which is, this is interesting. She actually met a man who she married, and um, he was a militant activist. And uh, they married, but their marriage quickly went downhill after he had an affair with another woman. Um, the interesting thing is, is that they got into a they got into a situation and they got into a fight, and she actually shot him. <laughs> she actually shot him at you know when they got into a fight. Um, she was sentenced to some time in jail for that as well. But after she was released from prison, prison she. You know, lived a quiet life. Um, she successfully um, became a prosperous businesswoman. She continued to write columns in a local newspaper about discrimination, police brutality, illegal search raids, and other issues that faced the black community. So, like I said, you know, she wasn't perfect by any means. You know what I mean? I mean, she wasn't perfect by any means. But you know, for a black woman to stand up to the Italian mob to stand up to the to the police to thrive in a male-dominated industry during the the early uh, 20th century 1920s 1930s and to live you know to be an old woman <laughs> you know and not even that to get out of crime and go and become a legitimate successful businesswoman like those are things you have to applaud because as I mentioned you know there's a lot of wealthy men out there, you know, that got their fortunes through illegal means or through, through dishonest means, and they're hailed as great men, so, you know, uh, we, 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 uh, gonna, we're gonna highlight Stephanie St. Clair, St. Clair, and give her her props for all that she has accomplished through her life in, 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 in a male-dominated world. She died quietly and wealthy in 1969, shortly before her 73rd birthday. You know, so she lived She lived a long life and she's seen a lot and dealt with a lot, you know, including men who tried to, men who took advantage of her, who tried to beat her, you know, you know <laughs> men who tried to harm her in different ways, yeah, people who tried, men who tried to take her businesses from her and her freedom, and yet she survived, she survived all that and still, you know, lived to be a prosperous woman, wealthy in her 70s in 1969, so... Uh, you know, we wanted to just give her uh, props and salute her. When she died, her death wasn't mentioned in any newspaper of that era because, you know, her life and her exploits was, you know, many decades prior to that. So she died quietly. But, um, you know, we wanted to definitely to definitely just highlight her and her, uh, her life and, and all that she's been through and how she... Uh, how despite, you know, her struggles, she she still survived and she still managed to be successful. And that's part of our story. That's part of our struggle. You know, everybody has their own story. You know, everybody has their own struggle. But, you know, 
that that that's what makes us so strong as a people. So, uh, Stephanie St. Clair, we salute you for your contribution to Black history and Black culture. So that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History. We will definitely be coming to you again with more Black history because that's what we do here. So. Uh, before the end of the week, we'll be dropping another episode. So if I don't speak to you before then, have a good week, a safe week. Be healthy out there and stay tuned for the next episode.